Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm Bill Sickens, your host. Welcome to this week's show. We got some great stuff for you this week. Jeremy, Gretchen, welcome. Hello. Hi there. So I don't know about you, but I'm ready to go back to an event someday. Yeah. I would love that. That would be so cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> e either that or start handing out lots of VR so we can all go together, but separately. Well, actually, we're going to talk about that a little later in the show, and I have an idea for that. And if you live in India and some other places, if you miss flying, you can go on a flight to nowhere. They're <laughs> offering this stuff now. You get on the plane. It takes off. It flies over the city you're in. You get fed dinner, and then the plane lands. So we're not the only ones missing some of this type of stuff, although I never thought I'd miss that part of travel. Uh, no. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. So send us your questions and your comments. We're at 503-766-6264. One user friendly on Facebook and Twitter. And don't forget about our Alexa Flash Briefing. You can add us to your Flash Briefing app. Just look for User Friendly 2.0. Today's news is brought to you by Al's Garden and Home, where the biggest sale of the year runs now through October 19th. Enjoy up to 60% off on all you need to take advantage of the fall season and the best time to plant. See als-gardencenter.com for complete details. What's in the news? Microsoft announces October Windows 10 update. This one's a bigger change, and Microsoft sends out these updates periodically, at least once a month, sometimes once a week, depending on what's needed. And the one set for October is actually going to change some things on your Windows desktop that you might notice. Some of the bigger changes are going to be a new start menu. So there are going to be some different things on that. I've seen this in the previous release, and it's actually kind of nice once you get used to it, but it is a big enough change that you have to get used to it. For oh, one thing, great. the shutdown, they've moved that to another menu. So, and so when you click on power, you have to go now into power options to shut off the computer, stuff like that. But overall, I think they did streamline it a little bit, and I think once you get used to it, you'll like it. The other big change I've noticed is that a lot of stuff that was in the control panel is now also available in the settings menu. So good, bad, or indifferent, it gets a second way to be able to get into that. There's a number of other bug fixes and some different things. There's a security update coming out with this one and some things like that. But a lot of that's behind the scenes that you won't really notice, although it's good to have a security update because you don't want someone getting into the computer. And Microsoft has had some problems with that lately, including the ability to steal the administrative account on a network. That's been fixed, but that's what all of these updates are for. So I guess that means that I'm going to have to reteach my mother how to use her computer. I don't know if it's quite that different, but you will have to show her okay. how to turn it off for sure. And probably anybody like that, that you might assist in using a computer, once the new start menu gets in and you can see it on yours and see what actually is different, give them a hand with it. It would take 30 seconds and save them a lot of grief. Microsoft to acquire ZeniMax Media, Inc., parent company of Bethesda Softworks. Yeah, so this is the company that makes games like Doom Ooh. and a number of others. At one time, it was called id Software. Okay. And right now, what's going on is there seems to be this big idea of acquiring media companies. The big guys are buying the little guys. Part of Microsoft's idea with this is to go head-to-head -head against Sony with the PlayStation 5. Microsoft is also releasing and has in pre-sales a new version of the Xbox. And what they're doing here is wanting to be able to bring content that specifically will only run on their system or that they have control over. It's kind of like a media company buying a movie house. In this case, it's a media company or in the case of Microsoft, a computer company. 
buying a house that makes video games for the purpose of getting rights and acquisition to their technology and their products. Airbus announces concept designs for zero-emission hydrogen-powered airplanes, which sounds really cool, so I want to hear about this. Yeah, climate change has been a big deal in the news lately, which is driving a lot of this. And as we're having the wildfires and some of the different things that are going on, it's bringing to the forefront a lot more of this alternative technology. And Airbus is looking at the ability of a zero-emission flight. These would be planes that would be capable of doing just about everything that modern planes do now, except for the smog. And hydrogen-powered airplanes could have a number of different advantages to them. They wouldn't require fuel, so all that cost goes away, and a number of different things. So the question that is often asked of us about these type of things is a zero-emission car that's electric. You know, if the design doesn't work and you get one, it's inconvenient, the car will stop. If that happens in a plane, it's a little more than inconvenient. Um, <laughs> yeah, like so, yeah, you, you know, so. you do want to give them a little time to prove the technologies. And there are different things being tested out right now from zero emission drones to smaller planes that are on the market and that type of thing. But getting to the point where you can have something that will fly people around. I know for one, I like the technology. I'm glad they're having it. I'm an early adopter usually, but I do want to make sure these planes stay in the air before I get on one. And I think a lot of people will. YouTube to bring back more human moderators after AI system over censors. Yeah, we didn't call that a year ago, did we? No, no, not at all. <laughs> I, I, as I recall, we were all for the AI. Uh, I'll tell you. I, now, I'm all for AI. I think that there are great things that AI can do. But one of the issues here is that an AI is a computer, so they tend to be very specific. Black and white about yes, it? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's either on or off. <laughs> yeah, it's either on or off. And that's basically what this kind of comes down to. And the bottom line is, at the end of the day, the AIs on these systems, and it isn't just YouTube, we've been seeing it on Facebook and others, is taking videos, in this case, taking posts and social media that shouldn't be tagged. So it's over-censoring posts. And hmm. um, there's been some really high-profile things of this, a Facebook post honoring the veterans, and it was tagged as being anti-whatever it was being anti so, and then the other problem is, is, since the companies rely on AI, it's somewhat convoluted to get and get the decision of the AI overturned by a human. Uh, this has been one of the bigger complaints about these type of things. So YouTube is looking at this from a standpoint that they're going to have a hybrid version of this where they're still using AI, but they're also using human moderators to augment or even check up on the AI posts or the AI catches. Part of the problem with this type of a system, too, is there's so much going out onto our social networks now that it is very difficult to have it only done by human moderators just because of the amount of time it would take and dealing with that kind of thing. So you do have to have both in order for it to work properly. But going the other way, you have to have both humans and AI for it to work properly. And I think that's what YouTube has learned here. Stock traders set to don virtual reality headsets in their home offices. Yeah, so they don't have to go out on the trading floor anymore. They can do this and, uh, you know, get in a fight with somebody virtually, I guess. <laughs> I'd love to better. see that for some strange reason. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> so a uh, note on this uh, from the original press release that this comes from, and what they're actually looking to do is use a product called HoloLens by Microsoft. Okay. So they're actually dealing with augmented reality here, not virtual reality. And just for anybody that doesn't know, oh. they are two different things. Virtual uh -huh. reality changes the environment you around you completely. Uh, the Oculus Quest 2 is an example of that, which we're going to talk about a little later in the Q&A. The HoloLens allows you to stay in your current reality, but adds to it. 
So where I've used HoloLens is something like working on a car where I'm wearing it, I see my car engine, I see what's going on, but I have it pop up in the lens, the instructions on how to take something apart or deal with it. That's what augmented reality does, is those kind of systems. So we're not going to have stock traders and Ready Player One mm -hmm. uh, situations yeah. where they're acting as different characters, you know. <laughs> I, I still want to see a virtual trading floor full of all these people arguing and fighting and whatnot to try and get their... their stocks sold and bought and things like that i but think that'd be a lot more fun they would have the guy with the blue hair another yeah. one that looks like a minotaur and, yeah. uh, and definitely would be amusing when you start thinking about that type of thing and you could do <laughs> some of these overlays and stuff that <laughs> i'm for a bull market no i want bear you know <laughs> no it's, it's buy my orange juice yeah <laughs> it's funny when you think start thinking about some of the things that is the direction that virtual reality is headed and you bring up ready player one and we're starting to actually see some of this stuff come out now, and it's it's going to be kind of interesting to see where it goes. There is a product, I don't think it's actually going to come out for public consumption, that was kind of interesting. It's based on one of those fix-em-up shows uh, where they go in and repair a restaurant. Huh. Mm -hmm. And you, too, can come in and see the restaurant with its cockroaches and grease and blah, 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 and mm. you know, in real time. And it's just those type of things. I'm glad that virtual reality doesn't yet, because they're talking about being able to do this eventually support smell Ew. can you oh, imagine yeah. <laughs> yeah there's some smells you just don't want to smell yeah nope. this is true this is true and <laughs> i'd like to have control over what that is and not be surprised by it yeah because i'd probably rip off the headset going oh no what's going on you know like yeah. like, like there's an emergency yeah i think a lot of people would react that way well, we've got a great show for you this week. We're going to be looking at an interview with steve i'm not entirely sure what he has for us this week but we'll all find out together in addition to that, we're going to be talking about some new technologies that are coming out. VR is a thing for this holiday season, and there's some exciting new technology to run it. So we've got that coming up. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Got a great show for you this week. And this segment is actually something that was a question you asked us. And we wanted to do a little bit of research into it and kind of talk about this because it is relevant in this time of being at home. And that's the idea of online training and some of the different things that go along with that. From our own team, we've all experienced this. Some of us like it, some of it not so much. But it is definitely something that's out there and something that's definitely worth investigating. So there's different things and the different definitions of this that are very important to go into to kind of understand where this is coming from. So originally there was in-person training where you would go to a classroom somewhere or a training center or something like that, and they would teach you how to do something, whether that be program on the computer or whatever. Then there was online classes like Udemy, which we're going to talk about a little bit here, that is on demand. So in other words, the class is pre-recorded, you subscribe or pay for it in some way, go on and you take it at your own pace. Now what we're starting to see is instructor-led online classes that are virtual, but you still have a time that they start and stop and can have interaction with the instructor. So that's almost a third model that did exist, but not as much as it does today. So let's start, Gretchen, with you. You've done online classes, everything from college to other things. And what is your feeling of it and what did you what what did you think of it and what did you like and dislike? 
Okay, I've like um kind of like a mixed experience with it. Um now I'm not going to delve into the Udemy because that was completely different. I did a, a an art a master's program that I started with a really actually was a really good school and um it's really hard to do art uh at a distance but these people went through the trouble to make really good videos with really good explanations and there was also times where you could leave messages for the instructor and you went through things that you read or steps, but they did a lot of videos. So there was a lot of how-to to do the processes that were expected. And then um, one of the more irritating factors was when you did your, your project, which is a visual thing because it's art, um, you had to photograph it with yourself. And I hate photographing myself. And I just don't like the way I look. So it was really kind of, it, it bothered me. And part of that process was to um, prove that you were indeed the person that did the artwork. Um, so like when you're in person, the, the teacher knows it's you because you'll have drawing in class mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And you'll have questions or yeah. problems or things that you need to deal with. So there's a less likely chance that it could be fraudulent. So I, I understand why they did that. Um, one of the reasons why I, th I really liked the classes is because I think they had superior teachers. Um, would I have done better in person? Yes. Um, the last class that I took, because I didn't finish the project, the, um, the degree, um, the teacher wasn't as good. They weren't as organized and things were not as clear. So when you have an online education, has to be very clear and very well done. And I was lucky the first couple of teachers were great. And that last one was really bad. And they, these classes were extremely expensive. So I gave it up. Right. So you're dealing with a situation too. A normal college experience, usually, not always, but usually, if you have an instructor that maybe you just don't jive with, you can um, find somebody else. But it seems like in the world that you were dealing with, you didn't have that choice. No choice at all. No. So you kind of it wasn't got, like, yeah, you were stuck with it. You know. <laughs> and one of the other issues you bring up, especially with K through eight being online so much now, K through twelve rather, is the idea of academic integrity. Because if you are at your own home doing your own thing, you can look stuff up online conceivably without an instructor knowing. You could have someone else sit there and take the class and the tests, and it'd be very difficult for them to know. Now, there are cameras. They can see who's in front of the screen and that type of thing. But there's a lot more ways it seems like one could cheat online than they can in an in-person class. And that is a huge, huge issue. Yeah. Though the thing was, is it's like, um, I guess from my perspective, and perhaps I am idealistic, I really wanted to learn how to draw better and paint better. And these people... The good teachers that I had, they were really good. And I think I walked away, even though I didn't walk away with a degree, the classes that I did take really changed me and made me a better artist. Right. And in and, uh, upper level education like that, you are doing it more for yourself. Lower level, it's kind of sometimes yeah. getting through the day and sometimes not. So, you know, it makes a difference. Now, Jeremy, I know you have had some instructor-led classes that were kind of a real bummer. Yeah, some of them were they just they didn't give the um the, the the concepts correctly. Like I was trying to access 
the information on how this specific thing worked, and they only covered it in like the most vaguest sense. And no matter how many questions I asked, I didn't get my answer. So was this art or, or what was it? It was for a computer software. It was for Flash. Okay. So learning how to do a, like Flash animation, I did not understand after, after taking the class for two days with an instructor, I, I still didn't understand the process. Right. And, you know, I think it's interesting because I've run into that a little bit more. One of the big deciding factors for me in doing computer training has been cost, because usually when you go on and do one that's in the library somewhere, it costs a lot less. And I'm doing an online instructor-led training class for renewing my Amazon certification here in a little bit. And that one is, I think, $2,600 end-to-end, and it's three days. So no. you can definitely, and you can get Udemy classes and things like that for under 20 bucks. So you can kind of see the difference. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, and the pricing that goes from there. And it would seem like a big component of an online class, whether it's in instructor-led or part of a library, would be the ability to ask questions and get them answered. Now, when I've done online library-based classes, usually there's a way to ask your questions and you normally do get some sort of an answer, but not always. And it's right. certainly not something that's guaranteed. So yeah, it, obviously everything depends on on what you're doing. Like all the the classes we're we're seeing videos of, where that you've got like you know thirty little windows, and one of them's a teacher, and then there's several black windows with with you know connecting and little spinning dial, and you know I, I, I'm not sure you could learn in that. And I didn't have the option of a live right. interactive thing. Right. Yeah, you were you were doing the recorded thing. I think the best advice that we can give is like any product that you might buy, especially ones that cost a little more money, is check it out, see what the feedback is, see what other people are saying, and know what you do well as far as learning goes, and then maybe give it a try. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Send us your questions and your comments. This is the section of the show where we answer them and talk to you about what you want to know right here on the air. 503-766-6264 is our 24-hour number, 503-766-6264. Or you can submit questions to us on social media, one user-friendly on Facebook, one user-friendly on Twitter, or on our website, userfriendlynation.com. What questions do we have this week? What happened with the PlayStation 5 launch? Yeah, um, it didn't go so well is what happened. Bum, bum, bum. So PlayStation 5 pre-orders came out last week. And it was set that there was going to be a day that you could go on and put your pre-order and everybody was supposed to have it available, retailers, Sony, on and on. However, for whatever reason, after they made the announcement, some of the retailers, not all, decided to open up the pre-launch early. So what ended up happening is they sold out of equipment prior to when the pre-launch was actually going to happen, and it all became very haphazard. In a ah. statement, Sony said that it could have gone a lot smoother, quote-unquote, and I do agree with them on that. Um, the other thing that's out there that's actually of a concern from Amazon and some of the other retailers, Amazon's just the one that's admitted to it, is that they may not be able to get the PlayStation 5 to the people that have ordered it all of them on launch day which is the whole idea of a pre-launch. So we'll see what happens. Do electric hybrid cars work as well as my old gas-powered V6? Well, in my opinion, modern cars don't work as well as my old gas-powered <laughs> V6, even if they're gasoline. <laughs> yeah, mm. I don't know. 
you've got to look at this from a standpoint that they are two completely different things. And to try to make a comparison like this is the old apple and oranges ideas in many ways. A hybrid car actually has some advantages over, or an electric hybrid car has some advantages over a gasoline-powered car, and that when you start up from a stoplight or that type of a thing, you have a lot more power because there's more torque. It's instant because it's an electric motor. However, when you get out onto the freeway, you've seen the idea that, uh, you know, no one said my electric car was cool ever. I don't know if I completely agree with that with some of the Teslas and things that are coming out, but they don't tend to have as much kick as you could in an electric or in a gasoline-powered automobile. And the other thing to keep in mind, too, is when you run out of gas, you can fill up the tank. When you run out of electricity, they've made it a lot easier, but you still do have to recharge the car. And even with a speed charger, you're still looking at a 15 to 20-minute charging time, which, by the way, for a battery is incredible. You should knock that because that's really good, but it is not quite as instantaneous. Electric cars are definitely are easier on the environment than a gasoline car, so you have advantages from that standpoint and does seem to be the direction it's going. And on top of that, you do save money, of course, on not having to buy the gasoline you charge with electricity. So there are some advantages from that standpoint. What I would recommend if you're thinking about doing an electric car, they've been out on the market long enough now that they've gotten a lot of the kinks worked out of them, is to go for a test drive, see what you think, give them a try. See if it's something that works for you and also figure out if the distance, the range of the electric car is going to be enough for what you need it for. If you have to make longer trips and the battery goes dead while you're on the freeway, that probably would be a bad thing. And then you'd want to think about a hybrid. What is all the news about the new Oculus Quest 2? Should I get one? Oculus Quest 2 has been announced by Facebook. Pre-orders are being accepted. They're coming out on October 13th. So in a couple of weeks here, we will be getting a release of one to give it a try and let you know what we think of it. They did send over all of the specs and everything on, and it looks like an absolutely incredible device if it lives up to the documentation. The Oculus Quest 2 is a wireless VR headset unit, so that's one of the nice new features that you don't have to have a VR-capable computer, and you don't have to have a cable. Disadvantages, you will have to charge the device, and it's basically its own built-in thing, so you have to keep all that upload applications to it and that type of thing. But it looks like they've got a pretty slick system to be able to do that. One of the other features that I like on it is it's got 3D audio built in and the sensors. So this unit, you don't have to set up the cameras around the room to detect your motion. That's all built into the headset. And the other thing that's kind of cool about it is the 3D audio that's built in. I'm really looking forward to giving that a try. So I think it's a good upgrade. It does seem like it's time for a new one to come out, and it does seem like it will be easier to use. So we'll take one for the team, all of us, and try it out so we can let you know what we think of it. What is Bluetooth, actually? I thought it was my wireless headset. Wireless headsets are one of the things that Bluetooth does, but the Bluetooth protocol, which we've been hearing about more in the news for contact tracing and all this type of thing, is actually a full-on networking protocol like Wi-Fi. It has a much shorter range, but you can do all of the different things that you would do over a Wi-Fi network with Bluetooth. That's why a lot of remotes use that to pair and that type of thing. So while it's great and it works well for things like audio headsets on your phone, it can be used for many, many other things, device control, all of that kind of stuff. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Sure 
Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, Steve. Steve, welcome to the show. Well, Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, you know, there's some times where you have an opportunity to meet someone in the, in the industry that does some incredible stuff. And today is one of those opportunities. I'm talking right now with Michael Ornelas, who is a makeup artist who does some incredible work. And so, Michael, thank you so much for your time today and welcome to User Friendly. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, for, the, for reaching out. I appreciate it. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. It's not often I get to speak to someone of your caliber who does the kind of stuff that you do. How did you get started in the makeup industry? You know, it, it, it's one of those crazy things when you're, when you're young and you're, you're enthusiastic about certain things. And I remember my parents taking me to uh, the theater. Okay. And... The, and, and and it was actually a drive-in theater, and we went to go see uh, Planet of the Apes. Okay. And it was simple as that, and I just looked at it, and I just could not believe what I saw on the screen. And I just, it just sparked an interest, and, and it, you know, and it, it, that passion inside of me, and just thought, like, how do I, how does that happen? Yes. How do they, how do, they do that? And yes. That's kind of where it yeah. started. Okay. Awesome. So, like, when I was young... And I'm, I'm presuming that you were talking about the Charlton Heston versions of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. seven years old. Okay. I, I, I wasn't going to embarrass you in asking you that, but thank you. That's um, okay. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, when I was when I was young and I was starting to get into filmmaking as a, you know, as a yeah. 10-year-old, the makeups that I would do were, were pulled out from these wonderful kits that were created by other professional or pro- actual professionals in the industry like Dick Smith. Yeah, and now did I you did you? I was going to say, did you have those growing up? I, you know, I, you know, it, it, like people like Dick Smith, who who uh, who helped guide a lot of us artists into what we do now, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, those those kits were available, but I couldn't afford them. <laughs> so, so saving so, up, a, so it took I, a while to save up allowance for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I just couldn't afford going into like. Like mom, dad, buy me one of these. Yes, kits. you know, this, yeah. this, it's a makeup kit. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going to, but but I learned from them. Yeah, I learned from watching them. I learned from reading. You know, his. Uh, you know, they, they didn't have uh, phones and Google. Right. You know, when I was growing up, so I learned from reading. Yes. And uh, I would I would go to the flea market and buy oh. these special, uh, these special gelatin blood kits. Yes. Okay. And 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 that's. That's what I ended up using to create blood scars. Nice, and, you know things like that. So that that's where I learned. But, you must uh, have yeah, loved definitely. Halloween. You must have really loved Halloween. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Halloween was, was uh, that, that best. You know, the yeah. best. I, you know, scaring my family and all yes. that kind of thing. You know, but it, it was great. Yeah. But, you and uh, I would have gotten along very well as youngsters. I can tell you that already. Yeah. There are a lot of our listeners are sci-fi uh, folks. They love cosplay. Okay. They love fantasy. What are some of the things oh. that we would have seen that you've done? Some may have remembered films like Jurassic Park or Aliens and, and, and shows like that. Wow. The work that I've done recently are the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Uh, yep, you're talking our language. Uh, X-Men. Yep. X-Men. Wow. Um, oh, God. Uh, Avengers. Yep. The, these are these are the most recent films that I've been associated with. That is fabulous. Wow. So, yeah. so so when you work on a project like that, 
and and you need to create a makeup or a creature are does is it are you responsible for a lot of the finished design and look or do does the producer director kind of come with you with a with a basic sketch or concept first how does that work there, well there's a, there's a huge collaboration that happens uh, amongst artists uh you have production designers that uh, will design uh not only sets but uh, you have uh designers that you know uh, animatronic designers okay. design uh, creatures and makeups and things like that. And then it's up, it's up to us to say, you know, like, yeah, this is, we can pull this off. Um, how do we do this? Uh, okay. You know, we, you know, we, we push, put, always push in the envelope. Yes. Uh, I imagine to, you have to. to. Different, yeah. To, 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 you know, it's like, it's one thing to see it on a piece of paper or on a, on a, on a screen, but it's another to make it, three-dimensional and, and right. reality yes you know so it's up to us to to collaborate as a team so that that's kind of how it happens so it's a lot of a lot of juggling involved. okay I, I certainly understandable now i heard through the grapevine that you wow. very recently garnered an emmy award so congrats, yeah. massive congratulations for that i mean i've won awards before for some of my work but never anything close to the prestige uh, of an Emmy or an Oscar. So tell can you tell us a little bit about that? That's really nice. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I got to say, due to COVID, uh, there hasn't been the celebratory uh, yeah. Emmy Award yeah. that, that, that we all sort of anticipated. Or deserve. Uh, or, or, thank you. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was nominated twice. I was nominated for uh, Mandalorian. Wow. And I was nominated for Picard. And wow. So it's it's bittersweet mm. because uh, I was at a friend's house and we were watching, and I was amongst my colleagues. Uh, I was nominated twice with two teams and watching with those two teams. So trying to watch and be uh, the professional yeah. <laughs> that I that I am, and, and win one but lost the other. Okay, and you you know massaging and sending back. <laughs> and go, Sorry, guys. Uh, I won, but uh, yeah, I lost. But, but you just being nominated is, in, is incredible, though. I mean, the, the nomination itself has to mean a lot. It's, it's been fantastic. Yeah. I've been at this for three plus years. And to finally, to finally uh, be recognized in this way has been uh, a, a really special, it's a real special moment for for me, my wife, my kids. Yeah, as well as it should be. I mean, because it it, yeah. it kind of it will. I mean, think about it. It reflects a almost a lifetime of of pursuing this as as a an ambition, as a passion, so that you learn, that you grow, and that you develop, and you just kind of evolve with the industry. And to reach that, that says a lot yeah. about your dedication and your ability. So. Nominating or being nominated or winning is fantastic. Yeah, it's just it, it's it's an unbelievable feeling, and and a lot of people think you know like this kind of stuff happens overnight. Right? Oh, it's never. Like, it's, 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 it's been it's been a lifetime of, of work and dedication, like you said. It's yeah, been, it's been tough and uh, a lot of sacrifice. Indeed, uh, I travel quite a bit. Yeah, I'll bet. Uh, you know, there's been times when I'm I'm away from home for six months out of the year. Wow. And uh, I've collaborated with some of the top artists and uh, actors and actresses in the business. And right. It's been, 
it, it's been a, a very, very long uh, journey, but uh, very rewarding. Rewarding indeed. Well, it's rewarding for us too, because we get to enjoy what you do on screen. Well, Michael Arnellis, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, User-friendly, just benefited from a very interesting person, person in the and, industry. Uh, all my best. And, and uh, for those who are interested, you know, please, please listen. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much. And I should be thanking you. Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, guys, take it back to the studio. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Great show this week. Always enjoy Steve's interviews. You know, I think it's, it is interesting. We were talking a little bit earlier about the on, idea of online classes. Yeah. And I think we're moving into a world where a lot more things are going to be done remotely. And I think a lot of that's going to remain pretty permanent. Yeah. So it is definitely something that we need to think about because it's here whether we like it or not. Well, maybe they need to do, instead of just like what, sitting in front of your screen and watching a video of, you know, 30 people, maybe you need to have a VR setup where you're sitting physically, you know, sitting at your home, but you're in a classroom and then you run classes like we've always done it where there's a teacher teaching people. You can have a whole lot of more students, but you're getting that school thing. Now the VR thing could be a lot more expensive. Oh, it would definitely would because the equipment's not exactly cheap. The equipment's (laughs) not cheap, but you know, once you have it, one of the other areas, speaking of VR, I think is going to be home health care or home exercising and that type of thing. Because you mm-hmm. can't go to the gym yeah. as easily right now. And if you have an exercise bike or something and put on the VR headset and it doesn't have wires and a bunch of stuff, you could conceivably go, you know, go on a bike ride and yeah. be immersed yeah. in the environments and stuff. That would be a lot of fun. That would yeah. be. <laughs> so while we're, while we're doing a lot more at home, Gretchen, I understand you found a new show or cartoon, I think it is. Yeah, um, it's on Netflix. And I just came across it by accident. It um, is it's based around the Jurassic Park movies. Okay. And it's a cartoon about a bunch of kids that get to go to, um, like, a Jurassic Park camp, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I know that sounds ludicrous after seeing the movie. I would not send my kids to a place like that. Oh, no. Um, (laughs) But um, the, the, the artwork is really nice, and the characters are really cool. And um, they all have this interesting, charming interaction with each other. I watched the first episode and then I decided, okay, I think Jeremy's going to like this. So I'm going to wait to uh, binge watch this with him. So, uh, and Bill, maybe you, you've got Netflix too. Yeah, so you might have to check it out as well. So I don't know what's going to happen, but the characters are interesting. So oh, I like dinosaurs and, and the know. artwork's fun. So if you're into the artwork cartoons and, and, and fun adventure with kids. Yeah. No, it's definitely worth trying to go out there and find things. Interesting. Note with just the time, you know, sign of the times right now, the Nielsen ratings came out for the fall. And for the first time ever, there are no scripted shows in the top 20. It's sporting events and different things like this and reality TV, but nothing that's actually produced because so much stuff is still out of production. I mean, we've gone a whole summer with very little new material out there. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, my mom's having a, a difficulty finding something interesting to watch. I know. Believe me, I hear her pain, and a lot of people do. And you know, hopefully they can get back to it. But they had, they've started on a few things like the Batman movie and they had to stop because COVID was found on the set. 
And, uh, you know, so it's a problem right now and it's something that we're, that's here and we're going to have to live with it and deal with it. But it is just part of the thing. So this is User Friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020, User Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the host and not necessarily User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at TheAnswerPortland.com or UserFriendlyShow.com.